The privilege of a lifetime is to become who you truly are. I'm Adrienne McDonald and welcome to the Mindset Strategist Podcast. Hello and welcome back. Last week we talked a bit about the block cycle of doubt, fear, and worry. And today I want to go a little deeper into one of the things I feel like feeds that even more, and that's attachments. But first, I want to bring a little wisdom to us from Don Miguel Ruiz. Everything is made of light. We are the stars and the stars are us. When we see this, all of our senses truly open and there is no need to interpret the world. In this moment, our full unlimited potential is available to us. There's nothing blocking our way. And we can look at attachment in several different ways. For instance, there's attachment theory coming out of John Bowlby, I think is how you pronounce it, work with, um, and also Mary Ainsworth. I do think it's valuable to understand your attachment style as it relates to interpersonal relationships. This comes out of your early childhood development and, of course, the optimal Attachment style is secure attachment where you are self-assured and direct and appropriately adaptable, especially in situations where you're left alone versus, I think, uh, dismissive avoidance, which presents as hyper-self-reliant, emotionally distant, and prefers isolation. And then there's anxious attachment, which presents as a sensitive nervous system, emotionally hungry, turbulent. And then I think the last one is called uh, avoidant disorganized, which presents as inconsistent, passive aggressive, sort of that push pull type of roller coaster. And there's some great online quizzes that are available to determine that attachment style and attachment theory and books on that subject. And on a future episode, I'll probably go a little bit deeper into this when we're discussing like toxic relationships. For today, though, I want to focus on attachment more as it relates to belief systems and talk about levels of attachment. Now, Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. wrote a great book on the five levels of attachment, and I believe it really outlines the stages of attachments of how we give meaning to things as well. So we start off with level one, which he calls the authentic self. And this is like the ultimate. It's the enjoying moments without really attachment to anything. This is the ultimate, like, be present. We are in flow, the rhythm of life. We feel connected to everything. And we're not attached to a specific outcome that needs to be in a specific way. It's in that being in that space of ultimate self-trust, trust in the universe, trust in the process. And honestly, I don't think I don't think many people stay in this state, but this is like the 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 optimal goal. Level two is preference. At this point you're invested in something just a bit. You've got you but you don't have a problem detaching from it. You get a little bit emotionally invested, but again, no problem stepping away. You can take the knowledge at face value. You're not assigning any great meaning to it. It just is. You're really curious. 
You don't have to agree with everybody else's choices around you because you're not threatened by them. There are no rigid rules in level two. Then we get to level three. At this point, something has struck a very strong emotional chord, but still not tied to your self-worth or your identity. You're taking in that knowledge, you're using it to sort of navigate the world around you. When challenged at this level, you may feel a little out of sorts, a little out of sorts, but you're still able to listen to a different viewpoint. You'll definitely challenge that other viewpoint. And you may toy with the idea of making this part of your identity, but it's definitely something that you still you still are looking around and saying, okay, I'm I'm curious. I'm still curious. Then we move to level four, and this is internalization. At this level, it's not only a stronger emotional cord, it becomes about you. You start th- taking this very personally. You become very conditioned, conditional with your acceptance of what's acceptable, what's not. The attachment gets more deep into feeling this is part of who you are, and you start to attach your self-worth to it. And then we get to level five, which is fanatics or fanaticism. At this level, there's no separation between you and whatever the attachment is about. You are all in, and this is the space where you're either with me or against me. And it becomes even hard to question the attachment at this point. This is where bias lives. This is where echo chambers thrive. It is the most rigid rules around the attachment with an excessive intolerance of anybody that opposes you. Critical thinking is all gone. Now, in this book, he uses... uh, he uses a soccer team to sort of illustrate the points. And um, a sports analogy is probably a really good benign example of this. For instance, in my house, we are a North Carolina Tar Heel and South Carolina Gamecock house. So the running joke is we don't like to have anything orange in our house because orange are the rival team's colors. So we joke we don't even have orange Tupperware. And at various times, whether it's watching football or basketball, there's been yelling and screaming at the television or reference to my blood runs Carolina blue or, you know, blood runs garnet. And we pretty much have stayed at the two or three level, occasionally four levels of attachments, I would say, about our, you know, respective teams. However, I did remember a time when I was young and um, saw two really rabid fans get out of their cars in the middle of a highway and get into a fistfight over a game. And those were definitely people that were embracing that temporary level five of attachment because they were... One was in orange overalls, and one of them was in garnet overalls. It was a Clemson and South Carolina game, and they were really going to town. And the cops had to be called and all of that. And as I said, uh, sports is a fairly benign example for most of us. Maybe not all of us. If you're a pro athlete, you probably feel pretty strongly about that. 
turn your attention to something like religion or politics, and you can see where the attachments can take a significantly more serious turn and sometimes a more darker turn. And we're seeing this more and more in today's society, unfortunately. Cancel culture is part of this. I see a lot of posts or hear about people talking about critical thinking, but have no interest in discussing an opposing viewpoint of any sort. I often read or listen to things that I do not agree with. I frequently construct arguments and have discussions for the opposite view of my own beliefs because I want to try to understand why people are thinking, especially with something that I feel very, very strongly about. And a lot of the time, I learn something in that process. It also keeps me detached so that I can respond instead of having a really strong emotional reaction. Now, do I still have a reaction every now and then? I do. I do. Um, but it's not, that's not common for me. You've heard me say that you need to know what hills you'll die on but evaluate those hills regularly. This is why. It's because of attachments. As your awareness changes, so many of your attachments may change with your belief systems. Now, most people either skew to the strong need to be right or the strong need not to be wrong. If you have a very strong need to be right, this can be even more challenging because I think that you're more enticed to go to level five because people that have a strong need to be right not only want to be correct in their mind, but they also have to like obliterate the, the other person, depending on the, the level of the strong need to be right. Um, and they tend to be a lot more aggressive in their viewpoints. And as someone that does have a strong need to be right, and that is something that I've had to work very hard on. I can tell from experience, tell you from experience that that I know that to be true. We all come to our attachments and beliefs through the lens of our own experiences. If we sacrifice our curiosity and hold fat, hold steadfast to the attachment we could be missing out on some great opportunities, um, some great wisdom, some great uh, expansion of consciousness. Or we could also very go down a very, very dark path at worst. It's our t- attachments that keep us from remembering that we are divine souls with unlimited potential, unlimited potential. And they keep us from feeling that everything and everyone is connected. It steals our empathy. It steals our joy. It's our attachment that keeps us at those lower levels of awareness that I talked about in earlier episodes. So how do you start looking at your attachments? Well, first you got to come become aware of where is your attention? Where, where's it lying? What holds it? Where does it dwell? Assumptions. Why do you have the assumptions that you have around money, around people, around politics, around religion? Are they really yours or ones you inherited? Have you ever looked at those in depth? 
lot of these are handed down from generation to generation without being challenged. One of my favorite questions to ask people when they come up with something that they are really adamantly passionate about, I'm like, well, why do you believe that? And then, well, why do you believe that? Go deeper. Tell me, tell me more. Why do you believe that? And when you start using phrases like, I have to, you must, they should, it has to be this way, all of those should be looked at. Any all or nothing type language around a subject, you should look at that. I think staying at the level, like I said, level one that Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. references is challenging for most of us. I mean, maybe if you're in a monastery or something like that where you're you're, you're meditating most of the day, and et cetera, it might be a little easier. Um, having never had that experience, I'm not sure. But I think most of us bounce from like levels one through three and then hit four on occasion. I'd like to say not a lot of us are hitting five, but in the current things that I see with, you know, cancel culture and, you know, online mobs and whatnot, I, we're seeing that a little bit more. Now, when you come across something that you've identified as an attachment, Ask yourself if you want to keep it. Is it helping you in some way to move in the direction you want to go? And sometimes that works for you in, 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 in the space of a period of time, and it's fine. And as long as you're having awareness around it and you're making a conscious choice, that, that's part of the human experience, right? As you continue to build self-trust, trust in the universe, the process, you're not going to have as many unhealthy attachments. You're just not. Now, I will say that humans do like to be attached to the past. That seems to be something that we all share. And ruminating over decisions that were made or things that they that were perceived to be done to you, that helps keep you stuck. Those are the attachments you really want to look at hard. We've all met people like that. They're telling the same stories over and over again. Also, you might, if, if something keeps showing up in your life, there's some attachment somewhere that you really need to look at hard if you're having the same experience over and over again. Some people just have trouble moving on or getting out of their own way. And that brings me to my next point. There is an energetic component to attachments. Now, I've already told you guys, I am an energy practitioner. And on occasion, when I'm doing energy work on a client, I've seen attachment shows up in different ways. Um, They come through like the feeling of concrete, or fog, or tentacles, or being waterlogged. It varies, but the common theme is there's energetic weight. And that can come from having unresolved issues around childhood, toxic relationships, low self-esteem, people-pleasing, dealing with high-trait narcissism, unresolved anger, unresolved trauma of any type. It all carries energetic Wait, it will sap your energy. You leave a part of yourself in your past when you don't 
do the work to resolve the issues. That's why you hear people say, I feel so much freer or lighter or higher when they've done a lot of deep personal transformation work or spiritual work. It enables them to get rid of that baggage. It's not lost on me, and I find it fascinating and studied. There are a lot of cultures out there have different versions of like soul retrieval processes because it's all about calling your energy back and get yourself into the present and alleviate some of that energetic baggage. We're all connected regardless of our beliefs. We would do well to cultivate more curiosity rather than judgment. So this week, think about what are you really attached to? Like, what is what are your ride-and-die things in your head? And keep asking yourself, why? 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 And go a little deeper. And the next time that you meet someone or see something that you adamantly disagree with, try coming back at it from their perspective. And see if you can find just a kernel of, why does this person think this way? Why does this person think this way? What could I say in support of this particular viewpoint? You might surprise yourself. You've got to learn how to dial back the emotion so that you can get to the truth of the situation. All right, I hope you have a wonderful week, and I hope to connect with you again next week. Thanks for listening to the Mindset Strategist Podcast. If you'd like more information, check out my website at www.adriannemcdonald.com.